0: Hey, good evening, everyone, Uh, from our studios here in Minneapolis. This is another edition of Bright Lights. I'm your host, Lacey Johnson, where each week we bring to you a host of guests uh, who share uh, their uh, life of achievements, uh, talk about their commitment, their habits, their behaviors, uh, their sacrifice to uh, get where they got and share that with you. Uh, As a bright light for you. Uh, So, welcome. Uh, This week, our guest is going to be uh, Greg Urban. Uh, Greg is a business owner and he's a politician also here in the Twin Cities in downtown Minneapolis and across the country. And we're going to get into uh, different areas of the impact that recent events have had on his small business here in Minneapolis. Uh, the george floyd protests and violence uh, that follow with that uh the whole covid 19 uh, restrictions and we're going to talk about uh governor walt's uh, emergency powers and how that was used and as always we will uh talk uh solutions uh, i'm one of those people who uh do not like to just focus on the issues which we do you know in engineering i tell everybody we spend about five percent of the time defining a problem and about 95 percent of the time solving the problems uh, out in the world it seemed to be a little different people spend 95 percent of the time talking about issues and problems and the same issues they talk about for decades and no one uh, hardly ever talks solutions so we like to talk solutions here also uh, I was telling someone another wonderful weather day here in Minneapolis. Uh, I don't think uh, we've ever had any rain or bad weather on my Wednesday during my Wednesday show. Uh, we've had some uh, heat and high humidity, but we can live with that. Uh, so uh, thankful for the weather um, and once again, just been a great week uh, here for me and my family and the community here. So without further ado, Uh, We're going to talk about the the business climate here and and, and impact on small businesses. And, you know, we're going to touch on a whole lot of subjects that's been in the news recently. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, the governor's emergency powers, uh, the shutdown and different impact on businesses. Uh, We're going to talk about some recent events of violence. I think there was like 10 people shot down at the Monarch nightclub. We're going to get into that because our guest. Is very familiar with uh, that environment. And so we're going to talk to him about it. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Greg Urban to Bright Lights. Uh, Hey, good evening, Greg, and welcome to Bright Lights.
1: How are you doing? Thanks for having me here on this beautiful Wednesday evening.
0: Yes. Uh, so Greg, uh, I built you up here. You're going to help us dive into a whole lot of issues that's recently been into, in the news. But before we go there, give us a little biographical background on Greg urban, where he's from childhood influences, uh, what led to his uh, educational career choices, those type of things. Just spend a little time introducing yourself to our audience
1: here. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Badness Heights, a lifelong resident, uh, about seven minutes from St. Paul, about 13 minutes from Minneapolis. So beautiful suburb here, uh, just northeast of town, but uh, we can get to a Twins game real quick. And uh, so great, uh, great little city we have up here. I uh, growing up, my, my family owned a bunch of the last farmland in our city. So here in Vadnais Heights, we grew some of the best peppers and the best celery uh, in the state. Uh, so a lot of hard work, but uh, good times and trips down to the Minneapolis and St. Paul Farmer's Market. If you've never, I'm sure you've been. Yes, I have. Some some great produce. We get there early. We get there early and the, you know, the best stuff goes early. So, Um, but uh, I went to White Bear High School, a graduate of White Bear High School. So, always local and uh, started a landscaping business when I was 16 and turned that into a A good sized site work company doing work around the state and and the Midwest with 40 employees. Uh, We're down cleaning up the uh, oil spills down in Pensacola, Florida, a number of years ago. And I liked it so much, uh, I went back and visited and opened up a a bar nightclub down there. And and now I have four, including one uh, downtown Minneapolis. But uh, you know, work hard, play hard, I I guess is kind of the, the theme of my life.
0: I like that uh where we're from that's exactly what we did also so I can identify with that. By the yeah. way just quickly uh the peppers and celeries that y- your family used to provide for the St. Paul Farmers Market who's providing those peppers and celeries nowadays?
1: Well, you know my my mom and dad uh, they're still down they can oh, be yeah, found okay. in, they can be found down in uh St. Paul uh every every Friday and Saturday. So I uh I travel out of town to my businesses most weekends, so I don't make it down as much as I like. But uh, but they're still they're still bringing them down there. So um, great great place to spend uh, Saturday or Sunday morning.
0: Well, I guarantee you that me and my wife is going to go over to the St. Paul Farmer's Market one Saturday morning and we're going to look for some celery and peppers. And when we find them, we're going to have a pretty good idea of who's selling them. So I appreciate that. There you go. So you, you you mentioned your site work business and going down to Pensacola, Florida with the oil spill. And then you uh, like this place and you ventured off into the bar and restaurant kind of business. And you mentioned you had four of them. I know one is in Minneapolis. Where are the I know you got one in Pensacola. Where
1: are the other two at, uh, Greg? Yep. So we got one in Lakeland, Florida, halfway between uh, Orlando and Tampa. A little bit warmer down there, which is nice for the middle of the winter. And uh, I have my newest location that's six weeks old in uh, Austin, Texas, on the world famous Sixth Street. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Well, let's let's dive into your business, and especially as it relates to the city of Minneapolis. And uh, I have spoken to you before to let our audience know that because uh, I'm interested in small businesses and what uh, has happened to businesses here in the Twin Cities. I have visited Lake Street. I visited University Avenue, talked to those business owners, and, and I understand the pain and suffering that they're going through. And uh, I've been talking to you as someone from downtown Minneapolis and understanding the pain and suffering, unnecessary, a lot of it, uh, that you're going through. So let's talk about that a little bit. But first... Uh, you got a bar uh, downtown, and
1: what's the name of it, Greg? And where is it located? Wild Greg's Saloon on uh, First Avenue, right, right okay. down in the the heart of the warehouse district.
0: Okay, and tell our audience, uh, Greg, the impact that recent events—let's uh, say within the past year—of the George Floyd uh, situation. That's been a little over a year, and the COVID shutdown and all the rules and regulations. How have have those things impacted your uh, bar downtown
1: minneapolis well it's been it's been devastating to the industry not just my bar but the industry and minneapolis in particular was the hardest hit because the whole state was shut down in march of 2020 but then minneapolis of course had the riots uh in may now the bars and restaurants were all still shut down then but Unfortunately, the the riots weren't too inviting for people to come back to Minneapolis. And obviously Minneapolis thrives, it it needs people to come in from the suburbs. You know, that's that's the idea how a city and a suburb work together. You need the people from the suburbs to come in, go see a Twins game, a Timberwolves game, whatever it may be. But people, the, the riots did not look good for the city. And immediately after the riots, there was a spike in crime that had followed that, which was troubling. Uh, but then in Minneapolis in particular, then once we got to July, Minneapolis shut all its bars and restaurants back down. The state didn't, they did in November, but Minneapolis bars and restaurants, the ones that were already having to deal with the crime and the other issues, they got shut down earlier than that. And then they were all shut down until I think February or so. But of course, when we were technically allowed to reopen, that was when the Chauvin trial was going on. And anybody that went downtown during the Chauvin trial knows it looked kind of like a military base down there, you know, the Mm -hmm. uh, uh, razor wire and Humvees and everything else. So while it it certainly provided safety and security for downtown, it wasn't exactly inviting either. So we had to wait a couple more months. We made a decision that we were going to wait to reopen until that was over because we didn't know what was going to happen after the trial verdict either. Mm -hmm. So fortunately it was a peaceful ending to it. And that was, uh, you know, a, a good thing, certainly, but you know, just the, the, trial and the logistics behind it kept us and, and many the other businesses downtown closed for probably a couple more months than the rest of the state after being closed four months before the rest of the state by the city.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, what was the official uh, or unofficial rationale that the city of Minneapolis used to keep you closed and shut down? What were they, I mean, given that Uh, if you were in a lot of other cities throughout the state, you were able to open. What was the Minneapolis uh, rationale for keeping you closed?
1: You know, uh, in Minneapolis, they think the government's your mother, basically. It's one of those uh, big brother, I guess, maybe. Uh, I don't think there was a good rationale. I think it was political theater. It's, uh, you know, it just didn't, didn't make any sense. You know, you could drive anytime last year, since May of 2020, one year before Minnesota was fully reopened, you could drive to Hudson, Wisconsin any day and the bars would be packed. The parking lots would all be Minnesota plates and there was no problems in Hudson, Wisconsin or Wisconsin in general. So there was never logic behind it. I mean, it was clear using the Florida examples last year that the lockdowns did not work. It was political theater. I, I, I can't think of any, any reason that made any sense, but, uh, in, per, in particular, it, there was such damaging effects of the lockdowns and obviously they extended well beyond businesses. I mean, you look at the drug problems people had the mental health issues, people weren't meant to be locked down. You know, <laughs> you know, some people said it was, uh, Kind of close to house arrest, that what they were doing to people, but uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't think it made uh, a lot of sense, and there certainly was a lot of damage done for the little bit of sense it may have made. So uh, you,
0: are a good person, to provide evidence of the different policies and outcomes in Minneapolis versus Austin, Texas versus Pensacola, Florida, or I think you said Lakeland, Florida. Why don't you uh, compare what was going on in Florida and Texas and the results there versus what was going on here in Minneapolis and the results here, especially on business and just the overall uh, cities. Uh, give us some type of comparison based upon your knowledge and personal yeah.
1: experience. Let me give you an example. I'd go down to Florida I'd have a sold out full capacity concert last summer. I'd get on a plane. I'd come back here and you couldn't go in McDonald's and order a cheeseburger. So, I mean, I mean, it was night and day difference. I mean, Florida was open. It was open for business. It was just a, everything was normal. And, uh, you know, here they were preaching fear and, and they, they were not looking at the collateral damage of what they were doing. They'd say, well, hey, you know, we might have saved a life uh, due to COVID. And that, that's great. Every life is important. But unfortunately, when you have suicide spiking, drug use spiking, and uh, everything else, how many other lives are being lost? You know, they took two years of education away from the kids in doing that. What's that worth? Yeah. You know, so, but Florida was open. Florida was open, Texas to a lesser extent was open and uh, I mean it was just a night and day different how difference in, in how it was approached. So I am uh,
0: assuming Greg, uh, that being the involved person that you are, uh, that you had some communication with the uh, city officials here in Minneapolis. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and the issues you brought up and what type of responses you got from the city of Minneapolis.
1: You know, when it, when it came to the COVID uh, issues, there was, there was nothing to negotiate with them. They just, they made made their minds up and uh, it was a political theater matter posturing. It, It just, there, there was, there was nothing to negotiate. They said, we're shutting you down, and uh, we don't know when you're going to open back up. But uh, I, I will say the they kept sending invoices for license fees and things like that. Uh, not to mention property taxes and and, and all that. But uh, and you know I, I'd say send them an email. Say you know you guys got quite a bit of money from the uh, from the feds. How about giving some of that out to the uh, to the businesses? in Minneapolis who've been damaged far beyond everybody and they'd say, well, the state just gave some money out. It's I I know the state did, but don't you think Minneapolis had a little bit tougher than the rest of the state? And, uh, so that there was, there was no concern for the businesses and you know, that's, that's not unusual in Minneapolis. It, it really hasn't been, I mean, there's a, it's a tough city to operate in. It, it really is. And, uh, it is really unfortunate that it is.
0: Well, uh, couple of things. You you mentioned that the city gets its money a lot of time from businesses and people who make money. I mean, if you're not working, you can't pay taxes and things like that. So how do they justify that in their own mind? Do, do they not realize that uh, their, the money to support their budget to a large extent come from successful businesses?
1: And you know, working? that's that's one of those common sense issues. And unfortunately, in, in that city, common sense doesn't, uh, doesn't tend to go very far. Um, it, it just, you need, uh, you need revenue to fund the city. And uh, I they, there, there's an apparent disconnect there. And, you know, with the amount of federal money that they've been receiving, uh, maybe that's how they've been able to get by with that. But I, right. I would assume at some point, the, the free ride is going to be over and uh, they, they had better hope that there's a business environment that can allow businesses to thrive and pay taxes when that happens.
0: Right. So I also kind of understand that uh, when you were allowed to open, that uh, there was some harassment from the licensing department and places like that. Do I have that? understanding correct and city organizations.
1: There's some tough cookies in that town. Let me tell you, there's some tough cookies, you know, uh, they, uh, they, they pick on their businesses. They really do. You know, uh, if, uh, if an Uber drops somebody off somewhere that the city deems inappropriate and the person gets out and comes in your business, well, apparently you're responsible for that Uber, I guess. (laughs) I, um, it's, uh, it's troubling, you know, it's, it's troubling when, uh, when you're having to deal with, uh, you know, things as insignificant as that, uh, as there's gang warfare going on in the city as, uh, as there's autonomous zones set up, you know, maybe, maybe if I declared first Avenue an autonomous zone, then maybe I wouldn't be responsible for the Ubers or or something who knows. Right. But I, I, you know, it's, uh, there's some tough cookies there. And, uh, they make it difficult to operate, let me tell you.
0: Well, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, the uh, personal safety issues, crime issues that's going on uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, how much of that, uh, Greg, is a real concern versus perception? And, and I know it changes over time, but right now uh, there's someone who's Uh, looking at the schedule of the Minnesota twins and they see there's a game at target field in July. And I like to go, but I don't know about going downtown and whereas I used to go and have a, you know, drink a beer and something before the game. I don't know about that either. What is going on as far as crime and safety is concerned and how much of it is uh, perception versus reality. uh, Well,
1: it's certainly a combination, you know, there's crime in Minneapolis, there's crime in downtown, there's time, there's crime in Uptown, there's crime in Dinkytown. Uh, but the perception makes it far worse. I'll, I'll certainly admit to that. Uh, and the, the thing is, if you're going downtown, if you go to any big city, there's going to be crime. Look, Minneapolis needs to get serious. There's way too much of it. I mean, you just, you look at statistics, it's way up. It needs, to come down, we need to get a handle on it. The city needs to get a handle on it. But when you look at perception, perception's an entirely different matter. And the, the downtown council, who I'm, I'm not a huge fan of downtown, I don't think they support their businesses, but they've done a study, which is interesting the last few years on perception of safety. And since 2008, when I signed a lease to go into my, or 2018 rather, when I signed a lease to go into my space on First Avenue, the perception has went down year by year. Um, and I'm really curious what this year's is gonna be, but I, I can only assume it's what the lowest on on record. But if you're going downtown, you, you got or any big city, you, you gotta be a little bit smart, right? You know, uh, park in a well-lit area, maybe take an Uber downtown, you know, don't park a mile away and walk back at three in the morning. Uh, Bring a friend with. Uh, when you're walking, watch around you. Don't have your, don't be looking at your thousand dollar iPhone. That's going to be a target to the thieves. Uh, put your phone in your pocket. Be aware of your surroundings, and uh, and be smart. You know, a lot of these victims you're seeing right now, like Dinky Town. There's a significant amount of crime right now in Dinky Town, maybe more than anywhere else in the city, and. It's the college students walking you know, three blocks off the main drag going home on their phone and their purse gets snatched, their phone gets snatched and uh, maybe they get assaulted in the process. So that's where you're seeing a lot of this stuff happening. So you can go downtown and you can be safe. Uh, you just, just gotta be a little smart. You know, again, Uber downtown, uh, you know, stay with your friends, be aware of your surroundings and you'll be fine. And, uh, you know, I, not not to agree with what certain council members down there say, but, you know, even with the high amount of crime right now, statistically, you, your your chances of being a victim are very low. And if you, you know, take a little bit of precaution, uh, it's very, very low. So you can go down and have a good time. Uh, you know, there's anything you do in life, you can never say there's no risk. And, you uh, going downtown Minneapolis is certainly no exception. But, uh, you know, the the powers that be down there do need to get serious. And if, if they do, I think they could clean things up pretty quick. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, I am an inner city person. I love downtown Minneapolis. I go downtown. I never feel unsafe. But you know, I, I, I just know some of the things that you uh, referred to and pay attention to my surround. In fact, uh, I tell people I like the fact that I can't uh, I have to pay attention to what's going on and things like that. So that's a nice little challenge for me. Uh It's kind of ironic, I would think, Greg, that as crime goes up and this is across the country in a lot of these cities, uh, police enforcement goes down and the reputation of police goes down in fact I I can't you know it's a challenge for anyone to be a policeman nowadays I think I heard somewhere where uh, the chief had asked for 1200 uh, law enforcement officers and right now we're going getting along with about about 500 I do know that when my uh, burglar alarm went off uh, at an office of mine the police say we don't come out anymore. I know I've heard personal stories of them saying, uh, we're not going to pursue that criminal because, you know, I might end up in prison for 10 years as a result. So what's going on as you see it, Greg, uh, as crime goes up, law enforcement goes down. Have you seen that uh, in mm-hmm. downtown Minneapolis? And what's your Yeah,
1: yeah certainly. It's, uh, you know, there, there's some big problems with policing and, you know, policing is like any profession. Any profession has room to improve and and, and good improvements. And, and policing is not exempt from that. There's improvements that can be made to policing in any other profession. With that said, you need the police. You need the police. You need to support the police and you need to allow them to do their jobs. So the issue is certainly the police are understaffed and they're making that up through overtime. They're bringing in other agencies they're bringing in Hennepin County, you know, really they should bring in, I think the state needs to get serious and I think the state patrol should be downtown. You know, you look at other places like new Orleans for a number of years, they had the Louisiana state police on bourbon street every weekend. And I think something like that needs to be done downtown. Downtown needs to be the economic engine of the state and it needs safety and security to do that. But what you're seeing with these police down there, you have the staffing, which is a problem, but the big problem you have is they're afraid to do their job. A, to a certain extent, they're not allowed to do their job, they're stripped of all the tools that they need to do their job. But then, secondly, sometimes they're afraid of doing their jobs. You know, sometimes police need to do unattractive things in the course of keeping law and order. And if doing an unattractive thing means they're going to lose their job or maybe end up in prison, uh, that's that's a problem. That's really a problem. And you know, in a in a civilized society, you protect your protectors. And that, that really is something that that needs to be done here because again, the the police in Minneapolis, by and large, are good people and, and they want a safe, vibrant city for the residents there. But there's some people in Minneapolis and people that go to Minneapolis that just want to do harm and wreak havoc on the city. And uh, the police right now, they don't feel like they have the support of the city to be able to go out and do their job. So when you're in a situation like that, where A, you're understaffed, and B, the officers that remain are afraid to do their jobs uh, for fear of getting fired or prosecuted um unfortunately it's a downward spiral so uh there's just a whole host of changes that that need to be made from staffing to policy to you know even protections uh you know from from prosecutions for some of this stuff so uh you know we'll we'll see what happens but it's a uh, you know the city the city needs to be the driving force and uh you know maybe a little bit from the state but the city and, and state need to work together and, and they need to get a solution to those problems.
0: So Greg, I think you make a good case uh, on the one side for the situation, the police are in. Is there in a room? What? How do we come together with those who see uh, these videos on cell phones and people dying and, and it really strikes at their hearts and they keep seeing it over and over and over how, what do you say to that side of the, uh, of the issues? And then how do we come together as people who all care about this city and this country? How do we come together and, and solve, uh, these issues if that's possible?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, again, policing, like any other profession has room for improvement. There's no, uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, uh, like any profession, there's, uh, bad actors in the profession there certainly is um, and some of the videos people see are are troubling uh, but you know one video I don't think represents an entire profession with millions of people in it uh, you know but certainly you have the flip side when you have six year old kids getting hit by uh, stray bullets on the street you see those pictures uh, where where's the protests over that? Uh, You have a 21-year-old college student a few hours before his graduation getting struck by a bullet and dying, being one of 10 people hit uh, in front of Monarch downtown. You know, uh, those videos are tragic too. So you you really got to weigh everything out, and it takes a community. It really takes a community, and the community needs to get involved. You know, I think the community needs to come out and protest every shooting. You know at the end of the day a life is a life and whether a life is lost from an officer or a life is lost from a gang member at the end of the day a life is lost and i think every shooting should be protested and uh the community needs to take their streets back the community members they know who's doing this they know who these uh you know what the police call trigger men are and they need to go out there and those people need to be taken off the streets and you know, I I do think people that want to go out and shoot a gun at somebody, I think they need to go to jail or they need to go to prison. I mean this this whole catch and release thing is is really troubling. If if you want to walk around downtown or anywhere with a gun and shoot the gun at a crowd of people, well that's that's a problem, and, and you need to have a consequence for doing that. And until you do, uh, it's it, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough road down there. Yeah,
0: you've been talking about basically leadership in the city of Minneapolis, and you hit on something earlier. What I found, just like you say, uh, people in the community know who the pe- people out there that's doing this. In fact, I'm just amazed that whenever I read about one of these articles in the in the local paper here, I talk to people in the community. And the detailed information they have about the people and everything is just amazing to me. Uh, You did mention, and I talked to the audience briefly about this, the whole situation down at the Monarch Nightclub where 10 people were shot and two killed, including a uh, soon-to-be college graduate. He'll be graduated, was going to graduate the next day. Uh, Your uh, establishment is in that it's on that same block. I think you're across the street from right it.
1: Across the street.
0: And uh, you can give us a little intelligence on what was going, what goes on down there. I think you got some uh, specific information about the particular bar uh, yep. we're we'll talking about. Tell us a little bit about that particular bar and how it's like uh, having a, an establishment across the street from it and what type of issues and concerns uh, does that give you as a business owner uh, down yeah.
1: there? Well, that that incident was entirely gang related, and uh, you know it, it's troubling. And and certain establishments down there, they they want to cater to that clientele, and uh, and unfortunately, that clientele has weapons. They they like to fight. You know, just just the weekend before that, some of we, we do some private security and some in house. And uh, the weekend before the the shooting at Monarch, there was a forty person fight at the end of the night coming out of out of their establishment that ended up at the front door of mine, you know, and my, my private security said, look, we're not doing this. It ain't worth the money. We're, we're going somewhere else. And uh, you know, it's, it's really disappointing when, you know, I'm getting citations because the city doesn't like where an Uber drops somebody off, but yet, you know, we we have businesses downtown that are catering to gangs, bringing, bringing those people downtown to shoot and, and everything else. And you know, the, The shooter, one, well, there were two shooters in that deal, but one of the shooters was out on bond from doing the exact same thing in 2019 in front of Pizza Luce. he shot at a group of people or he shot at a person, hit a bystander, same thing. He was out on bail from that in between those two shootings. He was in a car chase with Minneapolis police. So at some point, I mean, it's like, why are these people on the street? How many? You know how many chances do they do they get, particularly with violent crimes of this sort? So, it's uh pretty troubling.
0: Yeah, and well, here's the thing: uh, when you talk to people in law enforcement, let's say uh, about a place like the Monarch, where they know it's a gang hangout, uh, as alleged, as you allege. And they know there's going to be some things going on there. Are they taking any extra steps or uh, is it just at the point now, once again, where given the the duress they are under, they figure they aren't going to put their lives on the line? How is law enforcement? I mean, they know about this. The city people know about this. Why is nothing being done,
1: Greg, in your opinion? Well, that's the million dollar question. I think it comes down to politics. You know, it comes down to politics and it comes down to law enforcement being able to do their jobs. But, you know, part of the issue is is the uh, the criminals have learned that the they're, they're not scared of the police anymore. You know, one thing that was unique a little bit about the Monarch shooting is I believe they had an off-duty officer working there. And the Monarch is right around the corner from the first precinct. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the criminals aren't even scared of the police anymore. And that's uh that's a real, real troubling thing once you've gotten to that point. You know, I used to hear stories just a few years ago from the south side of Chicago basically saying that the criminals aren't scared of the cops anymore, it's the other way around. And uh, unfortunately, I see Minneapolis is is uh heading in that direction to the extent it's not there right now.
0: Yeah, we'll We'll have another get-together, Greg, where we talk about the trends here in Minneapolis and look at around the country and Chicago and Baltimore and D.C. and Seattle, uh, Portland, L.A., San Diego, uh, and just look at – Similar situations and what they have in common. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that subject sometime uh, in the very near future. And you know, here's the thing, and you hit on it. Uh, the criminals aren't afraid of the police anymore. I mean, it's dangerous driving some t- in some of these areas. Uh, people are not stopping for stop signs and not stopping for uh, red lights. In fact. You're in danger if you stop for a red light, you know, and so it, 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 it's just crazy what's going on around here. Uh, so, Greg, what do we need to do uh, to improve things here? Uh, well, let, let's 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 deal with one area at a time. First and foremost, uh, what needs to be done to start rebuilding these businesses, and if possible, at least get you back to where you were. Uh, a while ago and you know we really want to because business you have to constantly improve and and grow revenues and things like that what what are some of the steps we need to do to help uh, business owners like you downtown and you want uh, people to come in feel safe have a good time and let's face it spend some money
1: what needs to be yeah. done well I think I think right off the bat there needs to be a, a very visible, police presence downtown and, and in all the areas, you know, I keep saying downtown cause that's where my business is. But mm-hmm. you know, I think the hardest hit area of this whole, uh, issue is uptown. You know, if you've driven through uptown lately, you know, that was always kind of the trendy, vibrant area of town mm-hmm. right now. That whole thing's boarded up, you know, downtown you drive through and it, it doesn't to the, to the naked eye. It don't look too bad. Uh, but you know, Uptown is really in rough shape, but I think some of these commercial districts that employ a lot of people generate a lot of tax revenue. I think there needs to be a very visible presence. I understand there's more to solving crime, particularly long-term than police, uh, but it's, it's not an either or, but in the, in the short term, there needs to be a very visible presence of officers saturating the area so people can come downtown and feel safe because you know when it comes to nightlife and i'm, I'm speaking more from nightlife than anything because that's my business i understand there's a very significant uh, amount of the economy downtown that is is separate but still needs safety obviously the offices and, and and all that but you know when it comes to nightlife you know we're in a area a metropolitan statistical area here about 3.2 million people and and a, and a very uh you know financially successful Statistical area too at at that, and there's no arguing that downtown Minneapolis and the Warehouse District in particular is the you know cultural center of the region. And you know when people say, "Hey, we're going downtown, we're celebrating a birthday," you know they're they're not asking, "Well, you going downtown Wyzetta? You going downtown Saint Paul? What downtown? You're going downtown Minneapolis, right? Because that's where the action is. Mm-hmm. So." We need people to feel safe going downtown and spending money, going to a Twins game, hopefully watching them win, and then go to work on Monday and say, gosh, I went downtown and we uh, had a great time. We were safe. There was a good law enforcement presence down there, and that's what we need right off the bat. I understand there's more to it that needs to be worked on, but we need a long, term plan we need a short-term plan where we just really take it serious and we're going to uh, make it safe Uh, bring the vibrancy back downtown and uh, that's step number one and that would really really help certainly there's some longer term things too as far as business regulation you know they they need to let businesses do their thing there they need to back off a little bit but Right now, with the lack of business, there's really nothing to regulate. You know, if there's if there's no Ubers dropping people off, they can't be citing businesses because right, right. Ubers are missing right now. They're they're missing in action. So,
0: right now, uh, I know you talked about regulations. I know one of the ideas that's been floated out there that uh, we change the bars and restaurant closing time to allow them to stay open till four a.m uh and uh, that would help by the way a uh, little side story and i have to get in my little side stories here because hey i'm the host and that's one of my privileges uh when i first moved to minneapolis and i found out that the bars were closing at 1 a.m i'm like what and yeah. where we're from we didn't go out to midnight uh but here's the thing greg now that i'm this age Anything that starts after 7 p.m., I'm like, why are they starting so late? So that's just the evolution of life and things like that. But tell me about uh, this uh, 4 a.m. closing that uh, you think would be uh, very useful and uh, make your case before the public and all the legislators and things and people out there who would help get this done.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that's would be a great thing to do. You know, That's something that I had proposed uh, maybe six, eight months ago, and it didn't go anywhere. And I was told by everybody that this legislative session that uh, they had their hands full, which, uh, you know, as we're here a day before hours before the government shuts down, and they're still waiting to finalize the budget, I guess there might have been some truth to that. But, you know, my theory was if the if the governor can unilaterally dial back the uh, closing time to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, why don't we do, why don't we do four? Let's do, let's do 4 AM. You know, we, we did it for the super bowls. We did it for the uh, political conventions. And I I think that would be a great thing. Uh, You know, much like the two o'clock, you know, when they went to two o'clock, that was not a, it was a statewide matter, but each city had to individually opt in and that was at their discretion. So I'm not saying, uh, you know, Edina is going to have a 4 a.m. bar close. They're not, but for downtown St. Paul, downtown Minneapolis, it'd bring a little more vibrancy. And, uh, I, I think it would be a great thing if it's good for the Super Bowl, Uh, you know, why isn't it good for, for every week? Because there, were, there were no issues with it. And, uh, you know, some of my other locations we serve a lot later and, uh, You know, it helps us employ a little bit more, uh, a few more people We pay more in sales taxes. You know, downtown Minneapolis has one of the highest sales taxes in the state. You know, everybody's used to the regular sales tax. Well, then there's an additional sales tax on alcoholic beverages, then there's several additional sales taxes for being in Minneapolis and even particular districts like the warehouse districts. So, uh, you know, and. I'll tell you that financially, the, the bars and restaurants down there were were hurt very bad. And to the ones that survived, uh, just because they were able to reopen their doors, it they, they probably pulled every penny that they could from anywhere they could get it to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, this might help uh, make some people whole or a little bit closer to it. So, you know, that's something that we'll continue to push. I'm told that next year is the year where things of that sort will be considered and you know we'll just see what uh what kind of support i will say i haven't i haven't talked to one legislator that has been opposed to it but uh i also haven't talked to one legislators that's moved it forward in any way so we'll see what happens okay well to the uh, citizens of
0: Minnesota and Minneapolis. Like I say, I'm from a place where the bar stayed open as long as people were there. Mm-hmm. And and it's a really nice place to be in. In fact, we had a tradition where we'd go out on Christmas Eve and stay out until Christmas morning. Uh, one time I had to go play trombone at the Catholic Church, but that's a whole nother story. Okay, so, uh, so we got the 4 a.m. closing, which would help uh, generate more revenues. Is there any other systemic type of change? Well, we talked about this before. We need to do something about the governor's uh, unilateral emergency powers. I I hope they can get something done in that area. Uh, Are there any other type of things that you can think of, Greg, that uh, we need to consider? Uh, Like I say, not only to uh, correct the current situation, but to prevent something like this from happening in the future.
1: Well, you know, the the governor's emergency powers have been very troubling and uh, something really needs to be done. So that never happens again. You know, it's obviously a Republican Democrat issue, you know, uh, and the Democrats supported it. Obviously, if the roles were reversed, uh, they probably wouldn't have liked it so much. But, uh, you know, the the idea of one person having that much power that can't be challenged um, is very troubling. And that that really does need to be looked at, uh, but but beyond that, you know, we just we need to keep regulation in check. We need to keep taxes in check, and, and we need people to feel safe. And uh, you know, Minneapolis. One of the things that I I, I found out when I was uh, after I already had a, a lease signed in Minneapolis, it was the only place in the country where you can find three stadiums in the same downtown area. There's nowhere else you can find that. You know, the University of Minnesota, I believe is the sixth biggest university in the country, you know, and that's right adjacent to downtown or in, uh, you know, in in the city there. And the number of Fortune 500 companies in Minneapolis and the region, you can go down a checklist of things that Minneapolis is, it just has, so much potential i mean it's unbelievable how much potential that it has but we just we need some leadership down there we need it to be safe we need to take the streets back control regulation keep the taxes in check and minneapolis can thrive you know it can it can thrive again and i think it will but again it's going to take some leadership and uh you know it's just it's a little out of out of control you know they uh needs to be uh a little bit of civility there, you know. We saw, we saw a couple days ago they uh, they held a council member hostage. You see the council member they held yeah, hostage. Yeah, I saw that. Did they, did they let her go, or is she still there?
0: I think they let her go, and uh, after she signed the uh little petition or whatever they okay. wanted her to sign, and she said she did it under duress. And yeah, it, it's just a lot of uh, crazy things going on here nowadays. No, I don't.
1: I don't I, I think she asked for them to have Chipotle delivered while she was held hostage. Did they ever deliver any food while they <laughs> held her hostage? Or? I, I,
0: I hadn't heard that part of it. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the modern, uh, what should I say, young people way of eating nowadays. Uh, as you probably are aware, uh, sit down restaurants are going out the window and you got to have these. Uh, environmental conscious uh, menus, and it can't be sit down. So, uh, no. it doesn't surprise me that they wanted Chipotle, she wanted Chipotle. Uh, so, uh, tell me, uh, you know, the you mentioned some uh, in this area, but the people, how do we uh, tell something to the people living in the suburbs? You told them how to be safe, uh, you told them this fun they can have at twins games and enjoy themselves. Is there anything else we want to say to our? Uh, let's say, well, not only just suburbanite friends, but any people that want to come down and enjoy all the great uh, mom and pop restaurants. That's one of the things I like about the inner city. They got mom and pop family restaurants. It's not all these chain restaurants because I'm not a big chain restaurant fan. Uh, But what can we tell people to even entice them more uh, to help us get back to normal downtown?
1: Well, I I think, uh, you know, we got to remember, you know, July 5th, the twins go back to full capacity. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe once they, uh, see 50,000 people in the stands, maybe they'll start winning. Who knows? But, uh, you either way, uh, you know, when you can get one of those Casmirix hot dogs at the game, that's, that's what it's all about anyways, sometimes right, too. Right, right.
0: Right. 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 Uh,
1: but you, you can't be afraid. Look, you can't live your life in fear, you know, uh, But you got to be smart anywhere you go. If you go to New Orleans, if you go to Miami, if you go to Nashville, if you go to Las Vegas, you know, uh, crime happens everywhere. Crime happens in the suburbs, you know, Mm -hmm. what we've been seeing, Lakeville, Woodbury. So you just got to be smart, but you can't be afraid. You can't live your life in fear, uh, you know, because you can't see a Twins game in Woodbury, unfortunately. You can't see a Twins game in Blaine. You can't see a Twins game in Lakeville. So go downtown. Have fun. And, uh, you know, just be a little bit smart. Uber, you know, Ubers are just so great. You don't have to pay for parking. You don't have to walk. Uh, It's a great thing. But if you got to, you know, drive down there, you know, just watch around you. If you're looking at your iPhone texting, you know, that that may not be the best thing to do right now. So just be a little bit smart, but you can't be afraid. Minneapolis does have a lot to offer. There's a lot to offer down there. And uh, it is the cultural center of the region, you know. uh, Again, when you say you're going downtown, no follow up is needed on where you're going. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier that we have uh, three professional sports arenas and stadiums downtown. And I tell people, uh, like you brought up, that I think it's the only city in America where that's true. I think uh, what I've loved about Minneapolis, too, is that uh, a lot of the old money was committed and connected to downtown and they made sure that it was vibrant and safe and things like that and uh one thing we talked about two the couple of things we talked about today just uh the city of minneapolis uh, i've been here uh basically 40 years and it's it just hurts me to see what and i'm just going to be straight to the point current leadership where they're leading this uh, metropolitan area the city and how it's going downhill uh relative to income level relative to crime, and I put that uh, squarely uh, on the desk of our leadership and their way of looking at things. Uh, The second thing you mentioned, and small businesses, man, I I mean, how can anyone not, well, I guess when you look around at our leadership, a lot of them has never run a business.
1: A lot of them has been on the government take all their lives. if if you look, if you look at all their Twitters, they're all organizers or activists is what they uh, right. what they they list. So that that's a problem.
0: Right. Right. It is. And, you know, I feel sorry for people who do not appreciate that the business of America is business. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what uh, how I support my family. That's how I put food on the table. That's how I send my uh, children to college and things like that. So I'm a, un, unapologetic. As uh, far as support our businesses, I think that's the foundation of everything. That's where all the money comes from, most of it. And so that's really bothered me to see to drive-through downtown Minneapolis. It looked like a ghost town, even during rush hour. And it's just sad and it's unnecessary. And by the way, uh, this is just an aside. It bothers me that no one is holding China accountable for none of this. Not even our media. No one is hold- They have basically killed responsible for tens of millions of people died and businesses shutting down across the world and not one peep from anyone hardly every once in a while you're here are holding them accountable and uh Greg if you let your dog get out he, he bite, 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 bit a person if you let him get out accidentally he bit a person they're going to hold you accountable for that and I don't know how China's getting away from that
1: but anyway that's no, a whole different- thing I think we have a better chance of 1,200 officers in Minneapolis than China being held accountable. I know. I know it's sad. But One I'm, thing I'll say, you know, you, uh-huh. you mentioned the importance of businesses downtown. Uh-huh. and You know, uh, obviously, we, we both understand that, as I've said, there is there is more to solving crime than making arrests. Certainly, that's a part of it, but there's more to it. And part of it is, as we know, poverty breeds crime, and it's unfortunate. So, the way to get out of poverty is to get a job and earn an income. So, when you take away businesses, particularly local businesses, you know if you don't have transportation, you can't get out to the suburbs to get a job. So, if you're taking away the businesses in Minneapolis, you're taking away jobs. If you're taking away jobs, you're taking away income and these people's ability to get out of poverty. And now you got more people in poverty and more crime, and that's a downward spiral. So. I I really hope that the significance and the importance of employment and jobs, which are all created by successful businesses, really becomes a priority in the city soon. Well, that's a good point. And you've led me to another
0: area here quickly. And We're going to let you go and get some supper here pretty soon, Greg. Uh, But uh, I was telling someone I was visiting uh, Delhi here recently that's normally open to six or seven o'clock at night. And they were shutting down at two in the afternoon. And they were up front with me. The reason they had to shut down because their co-workers was not coming in to work because they could make just as much money uh, at home.
1: Well, and, uh, I'll tell you, I hear that a lot. And, you know, uh, we're not busy enough yet in, in Minneapolis. You know, it, we're every week, we're getting a little bit busier every week, but, uh, uh, unfortunately we're we're not even close to where we once w- was or uh or or should be but I, so I can't say that's affected us yet I know you talk to the suburb people it is but you know kind of along the same lines like you say the restaurants you know there's a little deli I like to go to in in saint paul and uh uh they're not open on the weekends and uh and even worse now though during the week you can't get a hot sandwich after three o'clock in the afternoon so if you want a hot sandwich, you got to get there for lunch because there's no hot sandwiches for dinner anymore.
0: Wow. And I should say, too, I, I've talked to some other business owners in the manufacturing and other areas, and they are desperate for workers. And uh, once again, uh, I think there are some people in leadership, and this is on the national level also, uh, who uh, would rather pay people to stay at home and do anything. And I, I guess this. Uh, Once again, you can connect a lot of dots to this, but there's this modern uh, money theory that says you don't have to work and we'll give you money for free and the government can print money, which, of course, is leading to a lot of the issues we have with the current inflation. And that's not looking too good over the horizon. So a lot of things going on here. I think, Greg, you are a good person to uh, delve into many of these issues, to talk uh, how we got here, how we're going to get out of it. The reasoning behind it, I think uh, our current leadership, that's the way they think, man. It's just their point of view. And a lot of these issues, as long as we're electing these people, it's not going to get solved. In fact, it's going to get worse. And the sad part about it, and just talking to because I know all kinds of people, uh, a lot of people don't make that connection. And I think they're going to still keep voting the same way. We're going to still keep getting the same kind of leadership. And the sad part about it, and and, and I I know this, is they're going to keep driving Minneapolis and the Twin Cities down in the ground until uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, And I mentioned the uh, concern for small business. My personal concern, and you touched on it, when uh, we have three-year-olds getting shot, and I think one of the young uh, girls died. And the thing about it, she was a daughter of a young man that went to school with my son at Patrick Henry High School, I understand. Another one was the granddaughter of someone I met at a vigil for another uh, gun violence uh, incident, violence incidents. And so these things are not just statistics and news stories. These things are, I can put a face on just about all of these issues. So really, Greg, once again, uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming coming on and sharing uh, your experience and things in the uh, uh, bar and entertainment industry, your experience in dealing with the leadership here in Minneapolis and and Minnesota compared to other places in the country. And uh, all I can say is that uh, these are issues that we all care for. Uh, Let's keep fighting for them. Let's keep challenging the other side. But uh, they can be kind of scary sometimes, too. They Maybe they'll be. hold, if you do, they'll hold you hostage. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, are they'll ruin your life in any, another kind of way. It, it, it's kind of sad where we're at nowadays. But, hey, I have uh, faith and confidence that we're going to figure this stuff out. Uh, and let's just keep talking to our citizens and people and get, get them to keep thinking, uh, keep reading, and get them to understand how difficult it is to really figure out what's going, really going on if you just... Reading the newspaper and coming home, listen to the evening news area. Evening, you really don't know exactly what's going on. So once again, uh, Greg, appreciate that. Uh, hope to come down and visit, and uh, bring the wife with with and have a beer. Go ahead.
1: When we do, are you going to ride the bull? Oh <laughs> no,
0: no, no. Well, no, Greg, I'm not going to ride the bull. That's I, right. you know what we 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 uh old school people. I will put it that way. We have to know when to let it go and leave it All to right. the young people. So I'm All one right. of those old school guys. I'm going to let that one go and leave it to the young people. I may bring my uh son down and see, can I get him on it? I know okay. I can get my grandson on it. So uh, one of us, uh, uh we'll ride
1: the bull. Uh, bull. Somebody from the family is getting
0: on the bull. Somebody from the family will get on the bull. But I guarantee you that somebody from the family would not be me, Greg. All right. right. (laughs) So thanks a lot. And we'll be talking soon. And we hope to have you back on uh, once business pick up and everything is getting back to somewhat normal uh, in downtown.